Welcome to We Pot a Zoo, the podcast about the 2011 film We Bought a Zoo. I'm Zach, and today I am joined by my friend, comedian, writer, and leftist propaganda machine, Enada. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. It's really exciting to talk to you about uh, the 2011 film We Bought a Zoo. <laughs> I'm glad to talk about that film. It, I found it to be profound and life-changing mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I had honestly never heard about it until you sent me the film. <laughs> and then I watched it and I was like, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, give me, give me, give me some of your thoughts. What do you, what were your kind of what did it make you feel think? Recently I had watched like a I had watched a video essay about The Lovely Bones, mm-hmm. which was a film now they seem unrelated at first, but it's also a film about processing grief. Yes. And so like to watch this film, which is also about processing grief, I think it was just very like interesting to see how like two different writers approach the same topic, albeit it's like grief in very different ways, obviously, but yeah. it, it's still like interesting to see. Um, and wasn't Matt Damon in The Lovely Bones? I believe, or something like that. Was he? I, it's been so, so long since I've seen that movie. I remember, uh, my favorite just like anecdote about that movie is that um, Ryan Gosling was originally in the running to like play the dad. Um, like he oh. was like he was signed on to the movie and what he did, he just decided on his own to gain like 60 pounds for the role. And so he like showed up and he was like heavy and the director, like, the director was like, I don't, this, I didn't ask you to do this. I don't, <laughs> and they fired him. Oh my God, that's actually, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, the dad is Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg, okay, yeah. Him and, him and Matt Damon. I, yeah, I, I, I think I confused the two. Yeah. That's how I, was like, I thought Matt Damon was in that movie, but. Just a couple of like Boston white guys. Is Matt Damon from Boston? I just associate him with that because of like Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> He's probably from Boston. We can, we can just, Boston. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll assign him a nationality. <laughs> Bostonite. Bostonian. 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 Yeah, that's the right one. <laughs> Wait, keep going about The Lovely Bones. So like The Lovely Bones, you know, like it was a movie which was more from the perspective of the dead person. Right. As she views her family, you know, like going through her grief. But this movie was more from the perspective of, you know, like the dad and, you know, the kids and how they process their grief. And, you know, they would see, like in The Lovely Bones, the dead person would see their living family. But in this movie, the living family would see the dead person, like through their memories, through going to certain places, like just things of that nature. So I thought it was a very interesting cinematic parallel. (laughs) 
<laughs> See, these aren't movies, they're films. This is cinema. <laughs> I I want to start a campaign to get We Bought a Zoo on the Criterion Collection. That's my goal. I think it was snubbed for an Oscar, honestly. Like, I think the performance of what, what Matt Damon, I was yeah. I almost said Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> um, Matt Damon, um, Ellie, Ellie Fanning. Yeah, Elle Fanning. Elle Fanning. Who else was good? The the son. You like the, the son? son did a, I, you know, like he's, I liked, I liked like how angsty and awful he was. Cause I think like, to be honest, we'll get into this much later, but I think yeah. he was just working with the writing, but I think he did a pretty good job in terms of like what he was given. Um, and I thought the, oh, the daughter, that's Rosie. Yeah, Rosie she was actress great. was phenomenal. I, yeah. yeah, way, leagues better than her brother. Like literally this girl's <laughs> like seven or six or whatever. And she's like, killing and i'm like mm-hmm. okay rosie calm down you're not the lead <laughs> she should have been i would have watched i would have preferred the she whole movie from been. her perspective because matt damon was kind of a piece of shit oh oh that's why i wanted to talk about the women in the movie because yes. i like i think for me like whenever i analyze films putting my <laughs> putting my film critic hat on um whenever i analyze films i always you know try to look at I try to look at gender and I try to look at the relationships of, you know, like the women in a movie to the men in a movie. Most movies are just with cisgender people. You don't really see a lot of non-binary people in, in you know, movies. Well, right. hopefully that changes soon. But traditionally in the in sense of, in terms of what the woman is doing in relation to the man. And this is like a movie that would never pass the Bechadel test for sure. It, because it, 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 it does, but only for one scene. And it is, if I, unless I'm, unless I'm misremembering, I think this is the only scene that passes the Bechdel test where Scarlett Johansson is teaching Rosie about tigers. When the the first time they tour the zoo and she, and Rosie's like, why aren't they roaring? And then she says, well, here, let me tell you why they don't roar. And like that that conversation, those few lines is what helps this movie pass the Bechdel test. I am screaming. Wait, wait a minute. Her character wasn't named at that point. Scar Joe's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was. She was they, she? she's like, okay. yeah. She says, I'm Kelly Foster, and I'm I work okay. at the zoo. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm just making sure. <laughs> Check off all the, yeah. was the tiger male? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, okay, we know that Spar was a guy. We have no information about the other two tigers. Mm. We mm. Truly, truly don't know. So it's like, nah, it's like, uh, it's, it's on shaky ground. Cause you know, it could yeah. still be about Spar. Yeah, if she was, if she was <laughs> only talking about Spar, then that absolutely fails the Bechdel test. <laughs> I've never actually had to say it out loud. In my head, I always said Bechadel, but that, that's probably how it's pronounced. I've never heard it out loud, and I've never had to say it out loud. I've only spread <laughs> it in Tumblr posts. And in my head, I'm like, oh, C-H, that's a ch. Yeah. Like Bechdel. I'm like, okay. All right, phonetics. <laughs> I'm drinking coconut water. Oh, nice. I'll leave that in. Wait, do it right next to the mic so we get the ASMR of you pouring... Oh yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> enough ASMR. That's so good. But that's gonna that's gonna make some people happy and some people very upset with having that in their ears. You gotta put in like the right ear. I think the right ear is like the one that's like hears stuff more pleasantly or something. I'm making shit up. Um <laughs> Yeah, is that science? What the fuck? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, your right ear hears better and your left hand touches better and your left eye can see two colors that your right eye can't. And your left leg yeah. is shorter than your right leg. Do you see those posts that are like, if your index finger is shorter than your uh, middle finger, you're gay? Yeah, I've yeah. seen those posts and I'm like, I look at my hands and I'm like, wow, it's all there, isn't it? <laughs> no, I, my, favorite, my favorite thing is there's this thing where it's like, if, you're, if your second toe is the same length as your big toe, yeah. you're more destined for success. Oh. And I literally, like, I think my second toe and my big toe are neck and neck. Yeah, my, mine too. I'm looking now. Oh my god! This is it's this true. Is... Look it up. Like uh, like a bunch of famous people, a bunch of presidents, a bunch of like kings have like that <laughs> thing, and I'm like, wow, okay, okay, genetics. <laughs> <laughs> imagine if like okay, like I I always hate making a joke about this, but imagine yeah. if there was like eugenics, but it was surrounding but your toe. It was <laughs> specifically to breed people <laughs> with the same length toes oh my god now i'm just picturing somebody whose toes are all the same length like where it's just like a straight line across and so, so your pinky toe is like really really long and it i don't know you really think they're out there hey if you're listening to this podcast and all your toes are the same length hit me up i want to hear from you i want to see those feet pics send anna the feet pics too oh and don't these feet pics send your feet pics Zach, you can't you can't tell people to send you feet pics i want this even, I, well, even I, if you want even if it's for scientific it's i'm purposes. i am qualifying it this it is counts, only this counts as solicitation this only if their toes are all the same length i don't want nasty feet it still counts as solicitation uh, do what? not play what if i deliver what if i venmo them if they send it to me then it's a transaction I am not getting involved. Do not <laughs> send Anna die your feet. Okay. I don't think feet are disgusting, but they're just not it. Um, I, anyway, I, back I'm, to not the in, movie. <laughs> I'm not into feet. Okay, yeah, about the move, the 2011 <laughs> film we bought a zoo. Um, before we before we really get into um, like the gender dynamics mm-hmm. um, and the women of the film, which is the subject of this episode, I, I kind of want to know if you have any like standout zoo experiences in your life like have you have you been to a zoo an aquarium as a child as an adult like what stands out to you what's your relationship with zoos so i like i went to zoos like a couple of times as times as a kid and like i think my my most memorable zoo experience i'll start with that it's like I was in Ghana, and for those of you who don't know, Ghana's in West Africa, and I went to a zoo with my dad. And, you know, that was the first time I ever saw, like, elephants or, like, oxen, crocodiles, you know, like, all of that. But then I remember when I first moved to America, one of the first questions that I was asked is that, like, oh, my God, do you have, like, elephants and lions running around in your backyard? And I was like, like... What? Like, it just like, I just like, I had to go to a zoo to look at those animals. Like they're not walking around. Like it was just so like, I think it's just, it was so funny to me at the time, but that's my most memorable, like zoo related memory, Mm -hmm. but aquarium, mm, I've been to an aquarium, aquariums multiple times. Um, I think they're inhumane. Like I think zoos are fine 
for the conservation, but aquariums just rub me even worse. But also really? I, used to, I used to have a, a rap book. Uh, in the sixth grade, I thought I was destined to be a rapper. And I used to write raps in this like, this like leather bound journal that I stole from my dad. And <laughs> there were some of the cheesiest raps, like cheesiest. The ones that I remember, I'm like, oh my God, why did I write that? But I loved writing raps. And I went to an aquarium, the Baltimore Aquarium. And that's where I lost my rap book. No. It is. Oh, that's tragic. It is. And I just, I can't go to an aquarium without thinking about how I could have been the next Meg the Stallion, you know, like. Yeah. You've gone viral a few times with sea creature related music. So oh I my think. God, I totally forgot that like, <laughs> I made a song that's like aquarium fandom, like probably likes that song. Well, here's the, I mean, you do, you call an, an, an enemy an enemy. So, I mean, it's like, it's like your revenge on anemones. Anemone? An enemy, an enemy, an enemy, an enemy, an enemy, and Nemo and another me. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I, I think you're, it's, it's like a subtle diss track. It is. It's a yeah. diss track to a crit. Wow. I never, I never saw <laughs> it like that. I think you should, I mean, if you ever do a sequel to the anemone song, I think you should do like a full on like fuck you dollfish. They stole your fucking rap book. I know, but it's not their fault. You know, it's it's my 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 like my anger is with the institution. But what if consider consider what mm -hmm. if because you know how octopi octopods fuck. I had a whole conversation with Amr and he like told me the right way that you're supposed to say it's octopi, right? Because it's one octopus, two. No, octopi. no, no. He he it's told not me that octopi? no, it's he octopi. told Occupy Wall Street. No, um, <laughs> Occupy Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he because he studies cuttlefish, and he told me like the like the actual name. I think is octopod. Fuck, I don't remember. Amr, don't listen to this. It's um, octopusy. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what if a octopusy got out of its enclosure and like scuttled around and stole your fucking book, and then fucking crawled back into the the tank and started reading out all your you know 10 year old rhymes and now that octopus is the fucking star of the aquarium it took your career i i want i want that to be true so bad yeah um but it's just my handwriting was so bad like, <laughs> you literally have to have like galaxy brain even i couldn't read it like it it was shit my teachers would just give me they would give me A's in class because I was a nice kid. Yeah. But deep down, I knew it was because nothing was legible. And um, speaking of octopus, there was this yeah. famous, there was this famous comic on Tumblr. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but um, it was it was a parody of the little the Little Mermaid, and she went to Ursula. You know how Ursula is like part octopus. Yeah. And she asked Ursula to give her legs, and Ursula's like, "How many legs do human have?" Oh yeah, yes. Eight? And yes. she gives her eight legs and the prince sees her eight legs and freaks out and runs to the, the guy. Yeah, Grim, Grimsby. The and then he, he's like, eight legs, seven pussies. That's all <laughs> I remember. He says, he says seven vajanyas. Oh, vajana, that's what <laughs> Seven vajanyas, maybe more, imagine. This was the, the, the Neil Cicerega comic. It's so yeah, fucking it's good.
so oh. iconic. I'm glad you you remember because I was of like, of course. Oh my god, it's classic. <laughs> if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, look up Neil Cisariga Little Mermaid. I think he he's also done a dramatic reading of it on YouTube, so you can look that up. It's so good. Oh my god, I I'm gonna go watch a dramatic reading right after this. <laughs> Oh, it's perfect. Um, okay, so this is a podcast about the 2011 film we bought a suit. Um, <laughs> we have to keep reminding people because, yeah. you know. We get, we get so off track. So <laughs> we're talking about gender, talking about the women of the film. Okay. Yeah, what, what are you, just right off the bat, kind of, what, what, how do you feel about this movie? You already said that it does, it's on shaky grounds as far as like the Bechdel test goes. So like, where, where does it stand as like a feminist piece, do you think? I think... None of the women in the movie, the women in the movie were all plot devices. Yeah, the I would one, say, I'd say maybe with the exception of Rosie. You know, I want to say, I want to say that because I want to, like, I, at first I was like, oh, you know what? Rosie, Rosie's kind of like a fine character, kind of. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like in terms of like, if you look at the way grief was explored in Matt Damon's character, Mm-hmm. in the son's character versus in Rosie. Yeah. And it, it was almost like Rosie was sort of this benevolent, sort of this benevolent character where she was sort of never the problem child. It was all mm-hmm. the son and it was all like, like Rosie's, like none of the attention paid on to Rosie were really about Rose. Like it, it's hard for me to explain, but I, I just don't feel like her character was as, fully fleshed out as her brother. I get, way- I get what you're saying. Yeah, because her, the, the, she, she never had really any conflict. There was mm-hmm. never any conflict surrounding her character. The, there are a couple of moments where she tries to understand grief, where mm-hmm. you know she's like, oh, c- catch mommy's spirit and put it in your heart and, and yeah. that stuff. I, I think she fills the role of like the daughter mm-hmm. more, I think you're right, more than she is a, a, a person uh, yeah and and i think that i think that like if, for example like just i feel like there were moments where there were like inklings of you know like something that could be like an internal conflict or something mm-hmm. that could be like a motivator but yeah. like for example um you know when they showed her making her own peanut butter and jelly sandwiches right which per- personally i thought it was like really weird that the dad never like addressed i mean i not saying it's weird for a seven-year-old to be making peanut butter sandwiches but when her mother just died and she's almost like being her own mother in a way yeah there, there's a lot of I, I i really want to talk about that aspect of this with you because there's a lot of like rosie as mother in this movie with like then her actually like raising the baby peacocks at the end mm-hmm. like there's this through line of her and 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 in the car with the real estate agent him like her him being like i just picture you with a grown woman's body like you you know this idea of her as a mother figure and especially then with her making the sandwiches and matt damon just kind of sitting at the table watching her do that yeah yeah it the movie sets her up as that character Mm -hmm. and doesn't really know what to do with it yeah and like i feel like in some ways i guess they try to remind us that she's a little girl like, for example, like, I mean, obviously she's like, you know, super like, want, you know, she doesn't know a lot. She believes in the Easter bunny or whatever. Yeah. And like, she doesn't know how to do her own hair, for example. But right. 
she sort of is like a surrogate mother in the movie where in a way that I always, I did find it to be a bit, you know, problematic. Like this little girl was mothering herself. I felt like that plot line needed a bit more, like a bit more delving into. I feel like the movie prioritized the relationship of Matt Damon and his son over the actual like childhood of Rosie. Because at the end of the day, I feel like she was, cause she was the one that was even telling Matt Damon, like, Oh, you know, his friends never came to visit. He's upset about it. like giving him, it, she was, she was really grown for a little girl yes. and in a way that I just did not feel like, I think at first when I looked at the Rosie character, I was like, Oh, you know, like she's, you know, she's probably, you know, she's definitely a lot more fleshed out in her motivations and stuff than like, you know, Scarlett. I don't remember names too well. Kelly, Kelly, yeah for um l fanning's character but um when when i took a closer look at it i was like you know she kind of like was just like a character that was just fine with things she never had Mm -hmm. any real conflict she never had any real drive she was just sort of like the cheery up you know she was just like cheering Mm -hmm. every she was like a cheerleader almost it's like i feel like that like even if you she has a lot of lines and you know she's in a lot of scenes and and you know, like she's mentioned a lot. It does not fully mean that she's a fully fleshed out character. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, the more you, the more you say it, the more I agree with you. I think that she is. I guess. I guess what makes more sense to me is that in the way that if you separate her from Elle Fanning, from Scarlett Johansson, and from uh, the the dead wife, <laughs> which are like the only other. I guess like Rhonda too, who's like the yeah. other character. But like if you separate her from from those characters. She is like the one whose character is like least defined by her relationship to men. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, where she, where sure. she just can exist as like, yes, she's Matt Damon's daughter and yes, she's, she's Dylan's sister. Although yeah. like I talked about this in another episode there, they barely have a, a sibling relationship. They, they barely, I, I, right. I was like, I found it so like when I was like, I was like looking back and I was like, I found it so bizarre that she like suddenly knew that he, his friends didn't come. Yeah. It feels like it, it almost seemed like the two of them had a conversation and you as the audience were supposed to like believe that, you know, like they had a conversation about but that. But they never talked to each other. No, they never talked to each other. So it just feels, it feels like, you know, we're supposed to like just go along with it, but like you never see an intimate moment between the two. And I feel like, even that, like, like, even if like she didn't have conflict or anything like that, they would have put a little bit more of like a moment between Rosie and you know her brother. Then it would have been like, and she, I think, it would have made her more dimensional, like yeah. as a character. But I still think that like that, like I, I feel like they failed Rosie in a way that they just like sort of made her this angel, this mm-hmm. benevolent, you know, like sort of like this benevolent figure. It's almost like the Uncle Iroh. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Avatar, you know, like they'll, they gave Iroh some grit, you know, the more we got to know him, the more he made sense. But there are a lot of characters like that where they're sort of like the happy, happy go lucky, cheery, and they're, Mm -hmm. they're plot devices, but you don't notice them as plot devices as much because it almost seems like they feel like characters. But when you analyze them, they're a bit empty. And that's how I felt about Rosie overall. Yeah, I think she's more insidiously empty than the other mm-hmm. characters. She's like, the other characters, you can tell that they're empty. And then the more mm-hmm. you think about Rosie, the the kind of less substance there is there. And I think really, because like this movie is at its core, 
about like the father and son dealing with grief, they're like mm-hmm. the only characters that have any kind of internal life. Yeah. And I think that that's why I wanted to talk about the women in movies so much. It's like mm-hmm. right off the right off the bat, I was just like, damn, like I feel like if it weren't for their, you know, their relationships really with these men, like these the women in like, for example, one of my like my biggest pet peeves was Elle's character. Yeah. What's her name? Um Oh it's it's been so long Look since I've had to it's been so long since I've had to like think about her as not just like because I throughout this podcast I'm just like oh yeah it's Elle Fanning I haven't what's her fucking name oh my god all right this is I'm I, I'm fucking hosting this podcast about we bought a zoo I should know the characters names no you look that up real quick but I'll, I'll keep going about her character yeah so I think one thing that pissed me off about her character Lily 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 Lily, 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 Lily. there was no there was nothing no motivation for her to mm-hmm. even have a relationship with the son. What is the son's name? Dylan. The son is Dylan. Yeah. Right. Because right off the bat, she's infatuated with him for no reason. He does absolutely nothing for her. She's, she's literally like giving him sandwiches, talking to him, spending time with him, laughing and stuff. It's, it's almost like she's having this completely one-sided relationship and we're supposed to believe that in like in all honesty she loves this boy. Yeah. And it's like like it's like the person who like wrote it has never met a girl before. Like <laughs> I'm sorry. Like when I when I saw her character I was just like what is this honey? This is some fan fiction shit. Like um <laughs> the f- the only part of her that I found believable and, and this is, like, the very beginning of her interacting with Dylan. I think, like, when she starts to, like, get close, like, cuddle up next to him and, like, look at his mm-hmm. drawings and, and offer him sandwiches, that's when I'm like, no, 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 no. But their first interaction I enjoyed because it was, like, yeah, she's, like, the socially awkward 13-year-old who hasn't seen anyone her own age in years, probably. Yeah. And so her being, like, oh, where'd you get your shoes? Oh, hi, what's up? It's nice to meet you. Like, her being, like, overexcited trying to get to know this kid made sense to me. But then as soon as it became like a romantic thing, I'm like, this, this is awful. Yeah, like I literally thought, like I, I, I'm with you on that. I, when I saw their first interaction, I was like, okay, this feels like, a, this, this is something that is believable. It's normal. Like yeah. I, we've all been there. Not we've all been there, but like, yeah. I, like I, I understand like being excited to like meet somebody your own age when you're like not around people your own age. And you, you know, you're, you're a little weird. You're like, oh my God. Like you're just picturing, oh, I can be friends with this person. Right. But, Anything outside of that was just, he was, he like, Dylan was a complete dick. Yeah. He was just a dick. And he got to have this huge re- redemption. And I'm sorry, we're supposed to feel sorry for you because, like, you know, your mother died, which is tragic. But it does not justify the way that he treated her. And he never no. properly apologized to her. No. All he, did, never- he just had this, like, declaration of love, but he never, you know... He, he never he never addresses how shitty he was. No. And it's like, he was pretty darn shitty. I mean, like, she really, like, this, like, even if everything she was doing was bizarre, mm-hmm. maybe, let's say, in the in context of the universe, it makes sense. He, ne- like, he never really showed her any of that warmth back. It's just, like, it, the movie almost made it seem like, 
Dylan was gonna like, you know, gonna sort of open up to her more and like yeah. be more warm towards her. Like, like for example, when he first read that note, you know, that she gave her, you know, with all sunshine, it almost seemed as if like he was gonna like maybe open up to her more and talk to her more or something like that. Mm-hmm. It never went that route. In fact, all he did was just like continue being cold and like sort of like yeah. and no one the thing is like no one likes to feel like a bother. So like obviously this really took a toll on her like self-esteem. And, yeah. But she kept doing it because she's a good person. So he never, like, he just never apologized and never really acknowledged her feelings and how she might have felt out of this. So, like, I was I was so livid. Like, I thought her character was it was done so poorly. And it's just, like, and I'm, like, have you, literally, have you ever met a woman before? Have you ever met even a person before? Like, I, mean, I, I, this is, like, a controversial take, but I think that she is is better written than ScarJo. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I actually well also I also think Elle Fanning was a better actor than yes. ScarJo. I think she was a better choice for the role, frankly. Like I Yeah, she was. Like I also another thing, yeah. I, I'll touch on it later when we get on ScarJo's character. But um I just felt like I just felt like Elle did a really good job with like what she was giving. Like she really mm. made that character feel real. Like yeah, I think even in the all the actions that were like in hindsight, you're like, this is weird. Like, why is she doing all of this? It made sense because the way Elle, Elle is just a phenomenal actress. And I've seen her in other stuff. And just the way she was able to like be this awkward, super mm-hmm. like farm girl, like she did a great job. I will give her her kudos. Elle, I, I stand you. Um, I hope we get to meet one day. I think you're a phenomenal actress. Elle, if you want to come on the podcast and talk about your experience on the 2011 film We Bought a Zoo, you know, if this gets to you, I would love to have you on. Uh, hit me up, DM me. Uh, big, big fan of your TikTok presence. I think you're doing great work. Um, one, oh, just one other thing about, about Elle Fanning is that like, or like what this movie could have done better by her is that like, if Dylan had started opening up, like you said, then we could have gotten way more insight into her character because she is such an interesting character. Like this person who has like grown up, homeschooled, living on a zoo property, has no interaction with other kids, but is like so optimistic about the world and is like yearning to like take care of the animals and also forge these like intimate relationships with other people. I, I would love to get more of her internal life. Right. But, and like, yeah. who are her parents? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, she's, she's, that, that was the most bizarre thing. Like I, the whole time movie, I was just like, is she an orphan? Like, yeah, we've are, never, we, I just, I can't believe I've never thought of this before. We, we have no idea. All we know is that she is, um, uh, Kelly's cousin. That's all we know. Yeah. What's her and family? Like, where's your family? Like, even if you don't have to, like, I get it. It's a movie. You only have, like, what, 90-minute runtime or whatever. This movie is two hours fucking It's, like, long. two hours. But, like, <laughs> you have two hours, so you, you do what you can. Yeah. But at the very least, like, show them. Like, it's, like, it felt like, you know, like, Disney, where we're, all, we're just supposed to accept that this character just simply exists outside yeah. of their parental relationship. But she's a child. You can't have a child character and she, her parents are... In, or like address that in no way. Think about this. Dylan dealing with grief at the loss of his mother and Elle Fanning, Lily, being able to relate to him because of her lack of like parents. We don't know the story there, but like, what right. if she's like, what if she's like, yeah, I lost my parents too. And I, you know, I was young and like, she, 
the two of them bond over that and like there's like tr- there's like a trauma bonding going on there and like that's that's what is so frustrating about Elle Fanning's character is that like she's she's like too interesting to be just a manic pixie she's dream girl she's got so girl, much potential it's but like the movie the, the movie treats there. her like a manic pixie dream girl even if even if she's like just like there's she's like right on the cusp of of having so much going on it's so frustrating it it absolutely is and i think that that's why like i i was like i i was just like like i could not i couldn't even hate her character right. but i just like was so mad at the writers like every time she spoke even the like the things she like it just felt so vapid and it's yeah. like bro i mean like part of me gets it like i get that um you know dylan wasn't letting her in or letting anyone in you know, so like maybe that's why they never really like got anywhere. But I feel like the the writers almost like made it seem, or the director or whatever it is, made it seem mm-hmm. almost as if it was going to go the route of, um, you know, Dylan was going to open up and then completely like flipped it the other way. And I, I hate that about my, I will make this note about modern filmmaking mm-hmm. is that there's a lot of like trying to pull a fast one on the audience going on, like the yeah. classic frozen you know you think you think like the uh she's gonna fall in love and marry the prince and he turns out to be the bad guy type of thing where it's just like yeah, yeah. They're, they're trying to be so unpredictable that they're they're trying to be so unpredictable that they completely throw away the plot and things that actually matter it's the fucking westworld thing that's what that's yeah. what they did in westworld where the writers were literally like looking at reddit to see what people were predicting so that they could not do that. And it's like, it's okay for people to predict things. In fact, I think it's good writing. It's good filmmaking when the audience can, you know, sort of discover and guess what's about to happen next. Because then the audience also feels more invested and likes the movie more Mm -hmm. because they know, you know, they feel like they're discovering stuff. They feel smart. You want your audience to feel smart, not to feel you know, blindsided by things constantly. Yeah, I mean, that was literally the, like, construction of the old Sherlock Holmes books, where it's like, we're giving you all the clues Mm -hmm. to figure it out along with Sherlock, and if you can't Mm -hmm. get it, don't worry, he'll reveal everything and show you what you missed, but if you do get it, you're very clever. So it's like, it's like that kind of, um, those kind of uh, hints have kind of gone out the window. It's like a reward. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, you're right. It's like it's like you've been a good little boy for following all the clues. Right. And like I feel like now you know, like segueing into uh, uh, what's her face, Johansson's character, Scarlett Kelly. Yeah. Kelly. Segueing into Kelly, I feel like Kelly as well. There were like sort of moments where it was like hinting towards like a romantic, you know, development. Like they were about to have a romantic moment. This mm-hmm. is like. Oh, no, never mind. This happens. Or, and on one hand, I get it because when someone is grieving, it takes them so much longer. Well, it always depends on the person, obviously. But for some yeah. people, it takes them years, months, like to open up to a new romantic, um, a new romantic endeavor after losing a partner. Yeah. But as, but I, I still feel like they kept doing that, where they keep leading the audience on into thinking this, and then they sort of like pull the wool on you. And it's like, it, it was so like frustrating to see in, in a lot of parts. Like it's okay to be predictable. In fact, I think like when you, you know, throw in the little inklings and like people pick mm-hmm. it up, it, it, it just feels like a collaborative effort when we reach the climax, you know? Yeah. 
Whereas with We Bought a Zoo, they kept being like flirting and then not, and then mm-hmm. flirting and then not, and then mm-hmm. suddenly at the end, they're kissing. And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, the, it, the, the buildup to this didn't feel natural. And the mm-hmm. idea that Scarlett Johansson is now like the surrogate mother doesn't feel earned when she really only had like one scene with the kids where she the like kids, right. buys them pizza. Like, right. it doesn't feel like she's earned that, that role. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like it, like even like where they kiss, like they choose to kiss on the opening of the, of the zoo, which like, it just, it feels so planted. Like it never felt mm-hmm. natural or anything like that. And, you know, I, I do want to mention another thing I took issue with Scar Joe's character with Kelly. Please. Kelly is 28. Yeah. And Matt Damon's character is probably in his forties. His age was never. I think, set. I think probably like mid to late thirties, I would say. You but at least. His brother looked much older, but they had a close ish relationship. So I assume that they were like, cause his brother looked like he was in his like late forties, fifties. Yeah. I, I think so, maybe there's like a 10 year age gap. So I would put Matt Damon at like 38, 39. Okay. I still felt that it was weird that yes. she was that young and fully so yeah to him. Like, it's like, have you ever, I'm, I'm a, I'm not going to say my age, but I've been <laughs> a woman in my twenties and <laughs> I, I absolutely can relate to like, like I, I know what it's like to be a woman in your twenties. You're not, yeah. you're most, most women in their twenties are not falling for late thirties, early 40 year old men. Like that's not like, Especially, and, and, especially broke men. Let's be exactly. honest. <laughs> and also, like, like I feel like there weren't enough moments between the two characters to justify their romance. Yes. I mean, right off the bat, when she was introduced, you knew she was going to be his romantic partner. Which, side note, it's also weird that her cousin is sort of dating his yeah. son, but then she. It, there's like, like I don't want to have to do all the like word math to figure out how then they'd be related. There'd be like a whole weird family tree. But yeah, it's weird when when like siblings are like not like, siblings, but like family members are dating other family members. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought that was a little weird too. But I also was like, damn, she's 28. Like literally, a 28 year old woman. Yes, she's obsessed with the zoo. Yeah, but she like I don't know. Like she, would, it was 2012. Okay, so I guess it's before Tinder. But she would like go out to bars and meet new yeah. people. Like, I I didn't like the idea that she was sort of this like like everyone was sort of this sheltered. In this yeah, she community. was like a her. She was like, I'm 28. I live with my mother. But we also can't forget that she was divorced. Yeah, right. She was divorced. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> it's like they, she mentions it once, and it's like so not relevant that at any point been- later. So that could have been so explored. Like it's yeah. almost like they, she mentions it. So, you know, she's single. Yeah. Yes. That's so true. That's literally what it was. Like, I remember when she mentioned it, I was like, I was like, okay, so she's just confirming that she's single, like, mm-hmm. which I think could have been done much gracefully, especially if you're not going to bring up that fact, the fact that she's divorced ever again. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just like was weird. But also like another thing I wanted to mention, I thought it was funny. They kept yeah. talking about how target was nine miles. Away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, the movie, you can tell it was written by someone that lives in either L.A. or New York, because in both of those places, nine miles both ways, what, 18 miles is a far distance. New York, to go 18 miles, even in a car, is like... Oh, yeah, you're, you, you are in New Jersey at that point. Like, right, and, and it's going to take you like an hour just to drive, or like at least an hour. Yeah. 
But if you're out in the country in California in mm-hmm. a small town, you can go not you can drive nine miles in five minutes. Like granted that you're going really fast, but <laughs> yeah, at, at worst like ten minutes still. Like hey. you're you're out for twenty five minutes there and back. Right. So he was like, I had to drive. I had to drive nine miles for butter, and it's like. Yeah. If you're not going to turn your own butter, then yeah, go to Target. It's not that far. Like, also the Target product placement is particularly yeah. delicious in this one. Um, how many times? I wonder how many times they said Target in this movie. <laughs> Target, you could tell Target like funded half the movie. They're like, we're getting our Target in. Yeah. He's like, oh, look at his butter that I bought from Target. <laughs> For all your buttery needs, go to Target. We, we got the box of snakes from Target. There's <laughs> a big Target logo on the box of snakes. <laughs> I was surprised that he went to Home Depot. Right. Because I was, I was expecting a Target. When I saw them in the store, I'm like, oh my God, finally, they're showing us the Target. But also, you can't talk about something that much and not show the audience. You're, that's why I felt so upset about the Jaguars. You, they talked about it so much. Right. Never showed it. They talked about Target so much. And they showed <laughs> me Home Depot. I'm like, Home Depot? This is not what I signed up for, movie. It's fucking, it's Chekhov's Target. <laughs> We're waiting for it to come back in Act 3 and it never does. <laughs> um, okay, the the Home Depot scene, as long as we're here, let's, let's talk about it because that is also introducing us to another female character who is like never okay so i think that the home depot scene this is so funny i think that home depot scene is the film's way of addressing the fact that it was all white people Mm -hmm. yeah because the home depot scene was the first scene besides like the real estate agent yeah was the first scene where we get to interact with other, you know, like people of color, other black people in the movie. Yeah. It, the movie is blindingly white, yes. blindingly white. So, so white that like, I think like they could have easily just made one of the people that worked at the zoo, just a non-white person, but they, for some reason, everyone at the zoo is white. Everyone was white. And I was just like, I mean, like, maybe it's because of the memoir. Maybe in the memoir, everyone is white. <laughs> the author would never, like, address that, probably. Because I think a lot of white people see themselves as a default. So they'll never be like, oh, well, everyone that worked at the zoo was white. But right. um, when I saw the Home Depot scene, I was just like, this is so funny. Because I, I definitely know that this is, like, their way, the movie's subtle way of, like, addressing the diversity problem by being mm-hmm. like, oh, like, look, she's... She's like a black person in relation to the zoo. And, you know, she brings her family later. Ha ha ha. See, we have, we have black people in the movie. <laughs> a, whole, a whole family's worth. Don't worry. We're not racist. Look, she brings her whole, she brings her whole family. Then we've totally balanced out the cast. I'm surprised that um, they didn't even like make the real estate agent and the lady working at Home Depot related somehow. <laughs> Oh, imagine she's like, I'll bring my family. And then, like, it's, and it's him. Up. He comes in. <laughs> like, at least lean into it. You know, if you're going to yeah. be ridiculous like that, like, lean into it a bit more. <laughs> so she's like, at the, she's at Home Depot. She's like, wait, you got, you bought the Rosemore Zoo? My brother just sold the zoo to someone. That's you? <laughs> I, I wish that so much. I just wish for that so much. But, um, like, I think, I do think it was also like, a way where they introduce yet another woman into the movie. Right. And she just 
sort of went nowhere. Also, like, like, and I'm saying, like, yes, yeah, she's a, you know, she's a secondary character. She doesn't really have to have that much. But they could have, like, had, a, like, for example, they could have, the like, family could have went to the diner, ran into, you know, like, there could have been ways that you could have writ written in why we should care that this lady and her family come to the zoo, you know? Right. Like, I think at the end of the day, like, I was like, oh, cool. Like, someone wants to go to the zoo once it opens. Which is sort of like telling the audience that like they'll be fine once the zoo opens, but also right. like, like I don't know, I build more of a meaning for that. Like, why should I care that this lady is going to bring her entire family to the zoo? Right. But it's I think like the lady did a great job. The actor, she really portrayed, you know, like the sentiment there. But um, yeah, so. it's it's that kind of thing where like if the movie had done better by its women and its like characters of color, then. You, you can afford to have a character who's just like, yeah, I want to go to the zoo and like, you'll be fine with it. But because everyone is so thinly written, you're like, just give me, just give me something. Just give me right. something with this woman. Right. Just, yeah. give me, just give me a little, a little bit of, <laughs> like, I just want a small taste. Yeah. But I have some more, sir. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> just a crumb, sir, please. Just a crumb, please, sir. I'm so hungry. Uh, I love Oliver Twist, constantly living in my mind rent-free. But um, <laughs> no, I, I just feel like, like literally, and even like, for example, the woman who um, was telling everyone, he's broke. Yeah, Rhonda. Leave yeah. The zoo. I don't even remember her name, but her character only had one other prior introduction instance to it. You don't even get to understand why she doesn't like him, because obviously they're alluding that she doesn't like him. Right. Why, you know, like, why is she so malicious like not like and it felt so in contrast to the way her character had been i think the actress again did a great job of what she'd been given right but the, the character was so poorly written like she's gonna be like sort of a villain in a sense at least have her a little bit like at least give her a, a, a you know like you know when he like um for example when he dropped all the poles when he first went into the enclosure to try yeah um setting in the polls she could have been around to just be like hmm, of course she'd fall you know something like yeah really like that where it's like you can tell she has like doubts and sort of like she wants him to fail but when you have none of that it's like well you know why is she why is she hating it just felt like pointless or like give her more of a backstory so we understand like because it's unclear if it's coming from her not thinking that he will succeed or mm -hmm. from her like believing in the zoo and not wanting it to go into the wrong hands. Right. Because then it's also implied that she's like leaving for another job. So she's just like burning the bridge behind her. And it's like thin motivation for mm -hmm. her to like call a meeting just to say, this guy sucks. Bye. Like it, I would have liked I, to have known like how long had she been at the zoo? Has yeah. she seen, maybe she's seen like a couple of owners come through. Yeah. And so she's like so disillusioned with people coming in, buying the zoo, le giving up and leaving. She, again, is just is just not a character. No, that's a great point that you brought up. And I had the same idea where I felt like even, like, I think even the movie was so poorly written in some parts mm -hmm. where, like, I feel like they could have showed the relationship of the zoo workers to the zoo a bit more, besides the fact that, like, it's a zoo, it's full of animals, they wanted to do well. Yeah. Like, maybe showed what the old owners was, like, what the original owners were like show like a you know like a flashback of like what the zoo looked like in its heyday prior mm -hmm. to it becoming all decrepit and like sold like sort of like giving us a little bit more emotional grit like i think 
the only emotionally like the only emotionally intelligent and complex characters not intelligent the only emotionally complex characters are matt damon's character and dylan like besides yeah. that like i think even even the other male characters in the movie well i think the brother was also pretty developed as well but even the other characters in relation to the zoo mm-hmm. still were just like you know like oh yeah we we'll do anything for the zoo which i get it they, they love animals but also like i would i would have loved to see a bit more about what the zoo was like before they came here and like, you know, you know, them seeing them in their heyday, why they continue, why she moved, why she bothered even moving to her mom's house. Right. Just, just to, to like keep it. She didn't just get another zoo job. You know what I'm saying? Like, sort of this, show. Well, like why this zoo? Cause she says that she's been there for 15 years, which means yeah. she would have been there since she was like a, a teenager. Yeah. So like, it would have been great. Even if we don't see it in a flashback for her to just like, talk about what the zoo means to her like having grown up there and like what that would mean for like dylan and rosie if they were to grow up on the zoo like to connect with with people from your own experiences it's so frustrating because you can just show her having like an intimate moment like a really intimate moment with one of the animals yes there's none of that it's like it was just like her character like kelly's character had like it literally right off the bat you just notice her as this is this is his love interest yeah and she has like all of this like she has like first of all matt damon like as someone who who like dates men matt damon is not that hot like, <laughs> i'm sorry like i think all the hype of the moms and everyone being super into him like yeah which relax. Like, it's also not- <laughs> all those all those moms, all those like, moms they're, they're all white they're lasagnas. He never ate a single lasagna. You want to tell me that they kept bringing him lasagnas? He promised to return the bowl. He never did because they're still sitting in his fridge and they kept making lasagnas because he was allegedly hot. He he sold those lasagnas with his old house. They're still <laughs> they're still in the fucking fridge. <laughs> they like walk in, they open it for what the fuck? And they, they're all <laughs> rotten. They've all gone so, so bad. <laughs> Or maybe, you know, the, the, the worst thought is that he could have brought the lasagnas with him to the new house. Then he would have had to, dri- he would have had to drive 10 miles to give the lasagna bowls back. <laughs> like, I feel like the movie almost, like, presented the lasagna, like, the food that people give him yeah. as almost, like, a symbolic thing of mm-hmm. him, like, sort of, like, the fact that he never eats it, it's almost like in the same way how he never looks at his wife's, the photographs of his wife besides the right. person sort of a way of how he was like not ready to move on but you know how he like looked at he ended up looking at the other photos of his yeah. wife like, i wish there was a conclusion to the lasagna <laughs> if he just if he finally <laughs> finally dug a spoon into the lasagna <laughs> he's like, oh, this is rotten mm, I'm this when i first got it <laughs> it's like it's honestly it's like in like medieval times or whatever the fuck year it was like when someone would like present you with their dowry and like they've these are the lasagnas do you accept it rests it's these are my riches and and like the matt damon being like no not enough for me <laughs> but even the moms was just like another great example of how the women in, in the movie just exist for their relationships with the men and it's like yeah. this movie does a particular like it doesn't even like pretend to, like it, it, like in a lot of parts, it just doesn't even pretend to like be better than that. It's just like, yeah, fuck it. Like the women yep. are in love with him for some reason, and it's like fine. Like it's it, and it's and the movie's just like we don't need to explain it. I mean, it's honestly, I think now we should probably get into it. Do we want to talk about Catherine, the the wife? Oh, 
I I do want to talk about the wife because I feel like she's, you know, it, it's it's so, I hate that when I see a movie and there's a character who's so talked about, who's so discussed, mm-hmm. but she's never, like, she's never giving a voice. Yeah. And I get it, she's dead. Like, unfortunately, she passed. There's just so many questions that just come up. Like, you never, like, beyond the part, the part where he was, like, you know, like, looking through the photo album and he saw, like, the kids dancing with her, you never get to see their direct relationship with their mom. You know, right. like, it's just, like, you know that, like, obviously kids are going to be upset when their, when their parent dies, like, their mother dies. Obviously, she seemed like a great mom, but there's not much agency for her character, where she's sort of just, like... Again, this plot device for Matt, the, Matt Damon and the sons, like growth and for them to repair their relationship. But like, it's, you know, she's sort of just shown as this like hunky dory, like almost like a perfect, almost like Rosie, but yeah. in a way that she's also so mystical. And it's like, oh, look at her. She had saved money because her husband is known for his adventures. Like, it's just like, you know, it just, it feels like, I don't know if I were if, if I were in the position I was a dying mother and I knew I would save money mm-hmm. before my kids like college or yes. like, like I was like, what the fuck? And also when Dylan said that some of that money could have been mine. Yeah, it's true. He, he was, was so right. He, he was, was so right. So right. Like, I was just like, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, you know, you don't want to disappoint the people of the, the zoo, blah, blah, blah. Go get a motherfucking loan. You're yeah. a white man. I know your credit score is above 700. Go get a fucking loan. Like, yeah. you just bought a house, so you have good credit. Just go get a loan. Why did you even get a loan right off the bat? Like, I think that, like, that, that is what was so frustrating to me. Like, literally, like, just get a motherfucking loan. Save that money to your kids. Your he brother is, is so right. selfish. Like, yeah. So selfish. And the, I mean, the other thing about, like, not giving the mother a voice and th- what is so unfortunate is that like they talk about her so much as this like perfect woman like this perfect wife this perfect mother and and then she's like saves the day with like the money we have no sense of any of her like flaws no sense of any depth to her character Mm -hmm. no sense of like what what she did for fun what she what mm-hmm. kind of what kind of wife was she what kind mm-hmm. of mother was she mm-hmm. what kind of person was she we she exactly. were just told that like she was a great wife okay cool <laughs> it's like I, I had the real deal all right all right and you know she was hot so i saw her yeah. at a restaurant i wanted to approach her it's like cool like creepy it couldn't have all been peaches and sunshine like not right. saying like you know she has to have issues but like she was a person like what did she like doing what was their relationship like like genuinely we're only seeing the relationship from matt damon's perspective Mm -hmm. and like and the kids who obviously don't get a good perspective of what the actual relationship is but like judging from the way matt damon's character is he's like there's probably some frustration in the fact that he wasn't really that good of a father i do not think he's that good of a father no terrible father he he was not like that he was so self-absorbed and you know he just like loved he 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 he's so egotistical like even in, in the opening like narration my dad you know used to freaking like you know interview you know people who are yeah. dangerous abroad and things of that and it just it's just like yeah so your dad has a huge ego like it's just like his kids are deified him 
already. huge ego. And like, not only that, but that means he's like never home. Yes. Yes. So if he's, if he's zipping all over the world to do these like crazy interviews and like nature segments, then it's no wonder he doesn't know how to make a freaking peanut butter and jelly sandwich because his wife just like did everything at home. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Does he does he like deify does he deify his wife because she knows how to be a parent and he fucking doesn't know shit about fuck? Yes, absolutely. There shit. it is. <laughs> there we broke we broke Matt Damon's character down into the bare essentials. <laughs> yeah. He's he loves he loves his wife because she's a mom and he doesn't know how to take care of his fucking kids. Yeah, and you and he probably had never even seen her deal with other difficulties because it seemed that you know like dylan probably had difficulties beyond you know just like him coping with his mother's death he probably dealt with stuff before that and he probably like the fact that he had no idea that dylan made that that mural for his art class right says a lot because like obviously it says that he's not asking dylan about his day he's not inquiring about what the hell he's doing and also it just like I'm pretty sure at some point he brought that poster home and was working on it. So like you're probably not that mm. vigilant to like see something that your son is working on. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he's and probably even, drawn other con- other concerning stuff. That's what I was gonna I, say. Yeah, even if that was like a project that you did entirely in the school, like yeah. you can see other shit that Dylan's drawn like on his wall and like hanging up in his room. And this is like really telling that like a lot of the art in the rest of the house is like, like up on the Frasian stuff is all stuff that Rosie's drawn. So yeah. like he's just totally ignoring Dylan and like not even paying attention to like the disturbing shit that he's doing because he just like blocks it out until he finally, like until, I mean, until Dylan is expelled and he can't ignore it any longer. He's, he's, he's really not that good of a dad. And no. I feel like he, he just, he gets a redemption and he doesn't really like deserve it to be honest. And he, he also never apologizes. You're saying that Dylan didn't apologize. He never apologizes right. to Dylan. He never apologized to Dylan. He never yep. really apologized to like, which I think like, I felt a lot of Dylan's frustration. Like, yes, I hated Dylan as a character, yeah. but I still felt a lot of his frustrations. I mean, he was literally moved mm-hmm. far away from, all his friends, his support system, like, yeah, he was expelled, but like, he still had support. A kid who's going through that should not be stripped from their support system like that. He was moved in a place that his little sister picked up. And, you know, it was just like a lot of things. I think even if Dylan didn't want to be there, at least let him be there for the house picking thing, not just Rosie. Because then like, at the end of the day, he would have stopped them from buying a zoo, which I guess would have stopped the plot of the movie, but <laughs> maybe they would have just bought a, a ranch. Maybe they would have had a few horses. Rosie would have been happy with some horses. We bought yeah, a ranch. We bought a ranch. We bought a farm. We bought a farm. It did not have to be a zoo. And I think he would have been like, dad, you're fucking like out of your mind. Like this is not a good investment in money. Like, right. He would, he would have been even more of like a, a moral um center than the brother but but if we know anything about matt damon he would have ignored him he would have yeah so like (laughs) waste of waste of energy from dylan's part and that probably would have made it even more tragic if dylan had like begged him not to do it it anyway i think i have a i do have a question for you about like the casting of this movie and how Mm -hmm. you would recast it if given the choice um 
Like looking at because we talked about like Elle Fanning being a better fit for her role than Scarlett Johansson was for hers. And like I'm I'm curious if you could change up Scarlett Johansson if you because you said also Matt Damon's not the most handsome guy. If you could recast Matt Damon, like who would you who would you put in those positions? Now let me clarify my statement. Matt Joe's not the Matt Damon's not I said Matt Joe. Matt Damon's <laughs> not the most handsome guy, but I don't think that he was I don't think he was a bad actor in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I honestly would have still kept him. And I don't think that just because someone's not the most attractive does not mean they should be not in their role. I think I mean look at Steve uh, Buscemi. That's his whole career. Exactly. And I'm an actor and I, I don't like the idea that I would only be casted for something if they find me attractive or whatever. I think it should be based on talent and merit. And I think Matt Damon did do a good job as the character. Right. What I would recast is I would recast Scar Joe's character um, for sure mm-hmm. as like, I think I would recast it as a man of color and I would completely remove that romance. Because I think her character could have existed and had a relationship with the father and still been a motivating factor Mm -hmm. if, if, if without like, and it would have been just as effective without the, you know, like the, her becoming a replacement mom thing, because at the end of the day, the, the resolution, even though they made it like she became a surrogate mother, the resolution for the children and the family wasn't that they got a replacement mom it's that their relationship with their dad was repaired. The son and the dad had a repaired mm-hmm. relationship. Whether or not they found a surrogate mother, um, that is honestly irrelevant in my opinion. And it should have just been, there's, you know, like there's just another character who pushes Matt Damon's character to be more human and be, you know, a better dad. And it could have just been another man. Maybe that man could have been since he could have been a father figure to his cousin, you know, to Elle Fanning's character. So, so your, your fix for this movie that has done women dirty is to make it have even less women in it. You know, I think, I think personally, I think if you're going to have women, a woman in a movie, she either has to be a good character mm-hmm. or honestly just don't even have her there. Cause I mean, what's the point? Like the, I, I know it's controversial, but yes, my fix to the problem <laughs> of this movie with women would have been to replace it with a homoerotic relationship. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> to replace it with just like, I just think that like, for some reason, Hollywood just can't have women characters that are just characters. Like they have to like have some type of romantic or like mm-hmm. admir- admiration. They have to have some type of relationship with the man that if they, if the writer is just can't get over that just replace it with a man of color that's just my as a rule yeah i I think the only movie that i can think of and i've mentioned this before that that does thread that needle is pacific rim i've never seen specific rim (laughs) (laughs) um specific rim is great because it establishes the the lead female character as like an equal Mm -hmm. and to, to to the main dude and it's so much more of like a sibling bond by the end of the movie and like mm-hmm. a, a mutual respect. And I mean, spoilers for specific rim, but like in the moment that would have been their big kiss, they yeah. just like look at each other and like, like it's like this triumphant moment where they've like won and they just like hold each other. They just give each other like a nice hug. And it's, and it's this like, we did it. And that there's no, there's so no work. kind of like sexual um, tension there. I, I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think when when more women are in 
films. Like even if, if you're not going to make her a fully fleshed out character, at the very least, do not attach a romantic. Because that, for me, it feels like a spit in the face. It feels like, it, it just feels like women, what are you besides, you know, like sexual objects for men? Right. And plot devices. Like who, if they, if they rewrote ScarJo's character to be more fleshed out, Mm-hmm. who would, and, and not just be a, a device for the man. Maybe they don't hook up at the end of the movie and she's just mm-hmm. like a supportive coworker. Who would you want to play her? And then who would you want to be the man of color that replaces her in the other version? Oh man. Um, hmm. You know, that is such a difficult question because I would, admittedly, I'm not that good with like actors mm-hmm. in general. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, my gut is always like Viola Davis because I just fucking love Viola Davis. Yeah. Anything she's in, just like put her in anything. But I think like maybe Kerry Washington, for example. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely more, I think, like age balanced. Than yeah, for sure. I would have also definitely wanted to age her character closer to his. Yes, for sure. Are to, and, and also like, Side note, the, the, the way child um, labor is sort of glossed over. Yeah. Oh. Movie, I'm like, um, this, there's a little, they, they literally acknowledge that they're like illegally like paying Elle's character. Like they yeah. could have at least called her an intern or a volunteer or something. <laughs> like, oh no, we're paying her under the table. And, and what, Star Joe has been working for, there for 15 years since mm-hmm. she, she was, so it's like, all right, so we're just going to continue the cycle of child labor and um, we're not going to address it in this movie because the children love animals. And it's like, even if children love what the work that they're doing, you still need to address the fact that these are children that are working. Yeah. You know, like working children is never good. It's just never a good idea, in my opinion. So there's also that. But yeah, just like, yeah, I would want like definitely an actor, an actress of color who's like more aged up, maybe even like, I like America Ferreira. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think she is a really good actor, and like, I think like she she always brings like, like it's it's hard for her to be in, in anything and be forgettable or forgotten. She just brings such a presence, you know. Like having like, I just think having like an actor of color would literally just like make it would it would just change like a lot of what is going on in the movie. In yeah. terms of like an actor who would replace, um, oh my God, I'm sorry. So I live with a child right now and she's oh. coming home. So we probably, she's, we, she's upset. She's crying. So. Oh no. Okay. We, we can, stop. we can wrap up soon. Wrap up soon. Um, you can hear that. <laughs> can you hear it? I don't yeah, know. I heard it. I heard it a little bit. Okay. <laughs> she's, uh, she's upset by the lack of women in um, We Bought a Zoo. Right. So um, if we were to replace her character with like, a, you know, a male character. Yeah. Just want some eye candy. Uh, Daniel Kalula. I love yeah. him. Um, freaking, I want to say Idris Elba, you know, just to sound like super like popular or whatever, but yeah. Idris Elba. Of course. Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> Let's revive Rihanna's acting career. Get her in this movie. I honestly don't think she's that bad. Um, <laughs> I, I did not see Ocean's Eight. How did, did you see Ocean's Eight? Um, no, I did oh. not see Ocean's Eight. But I'm also just a Rihanna stan, so. Yeah. Oh my God, this kid is losing her mind. Yeah, she's upset. It's like nap time, and she's cranky, probably. Uh, I feel that. <laughs> okay, I think this. I think that's the cue to to wrap up. Okay. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on 
We Pot a Zoo. Do you have anything to plug? Follow Men's Rise Activist on Instagram. Hell yeah. Oh, and stream Anemone Song. I yeah. give you full permission as the rights holder to play Anemone Song in this in any part of this podcast. Thank you so much. Okay, <laughs> thank you to RT Coburl for the intro and outro music and Sydney Gish for her vocals on the intro. You can find links to their work on our Twitter, which is at WePodAzoo. Uh, find us on Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, special thanks to my friend Dylan at Adult Human Bitch on Twitter for suggesting the name WePodAzoo in the first place. Um, you can go to dartmoorzoo.org.uk. That's the zoo that the movie was based on and they are currently experiencing difficulties due to covid so you can donate if you have the means uh follow me at zach silverberg on twitter and instagram and i think that's gonna do it for us so anna why'd you come on this podcast why not (laughs) (laughs) see you next time bye <laughs> anemone, an enemy, anemone, an enemy, anemone, and Nemo, and another me. Anemone, an enemy, anemone. Anemone, anemone, anatomy, anemone, anatomy, another, and another me. Anemone, anemone, anatomy. An enemy, an enemy's anatomy, an enemy's anatomy, and Nemo, and an atomy. An enemy, an enemy's anatomy. Anemone, anemone's an enemy, anemone's an enemy, and Nemo, and atomic me. Anemone, anemone's an enemy. Anemone, an enemy, anemone, an enemy, anemone, and Nemo, and another me. Anemone, an enemy, anemone.